It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. It's a bit like a shitty grease lightning. The longest children's movie ever made. Do you see how hot it was in the past? <laughs> Welcome to Cast All Blessed. I'm your coast, really tasty. <laughs> and I'm your other coast. Simply Yummy. <laughs> that would mean your first name is Simply. It's a terrible first name. Yeah, well, mine's really. That's not good. Both of them are about as bad as truly. Truly scrumptious. We're both heiresses to separate sweetie factories. Yep. Um, Mine is located right next to um, to a cattery. There's lots of cats, lots of loose cats in the area. <laughs> Mine is is next to just the biggest anthill you've ever seen. Uh, and you'd be surprised how many scrapes we get in. <laughs> We're rivals, sweet shop owners. <laughs> But recently, <laughs> our other rival, the Scrumptiouses, <laughs> have been making big wounds with their dog Tootie Sweets. <laughs> We're going out of business quick. Yeah. We're making this podcast as our side hustle. Thankfully, it's soon going to be wartime. <laughs> so we'll have other fish to fry. Yeah. At our factory. We're planning to, uh, to stop making uh, hard-boiled sweets and start making munitions. Um, at our factory... We've decided we're no longer going to make fudge, um, and instead we're going to make tar. Oh. Uh, very close. Yes. In terms of recipe. And with the sugar rationing, I feel like it's not really... Very little needs to actually change. No, and you know what? It won't be for too long. They tell us it'll be over by Christmas. Absolutely. Everything <laughs> is going to be fine. <laughs> That was a little bit that we like to call wartime sweeties. <laughs> Nineteen oh nine. What could go wrong? <laughs> Everything will be perfect forever. Yep. I've heard that this is this uh, the Spanish flu. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not. <laughs> it's too soon. Too soon. How's everyone doing? How are you doing, folks out there at home? Chilling, I hope. We are. We're just chilling. We haven't been wounded by what we've just seen over two evenings. Yep, it took two two goes at it. The longest children's movie ever made. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. This was made in 1968. Four, uh, four years after Mary Poppins, and oh boy can you tell. <laughs> <laughs> it's two and a half hours too long. Yep. It's two and a half hours. Um, based on a beloved children's novel by beloved children's author, Ian Fleming, <laughs> who brought us James Bond. James Bond is for kids. Shut up. <laughs> I don't know if you ever read a James Bond book. I have for a course once. And Ian Fleming is a terrible writer. Yeah? Um. Is it all spy sex? The, the first couple chapters of Casino Royale, which is the first of the Bond books, um, contains the phrase, uh, but that was just how life was for a man paid in danger money. 
danger money. Like, is it like Monopoly bucks? Like, how do you cash that in, James? <laughs> I, I like to see danger money as um, non-waterproof money. You know how money's used to be? Yeah. When I, when I first went to Canada, like, five years ago, mm-hmm. and you guys had waterproof money, I was like, and you and tap contactless payments, mm-hmm. which we didn't have in the UK at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, they probably had it in London, but not anywhere else. I was like, the future is now. And by the time I got back home, we also had waterproof monies. Except ours didn't smell of maple syrup. Yeah, yeah. The Canadian ones apparently do. I think my <gasps> sense of smell is not good okay, enough. Okay, but when you go to a bureau de change, mm-hmm. that means an office of change. Change desk. <laughs> Does it? Whatever. The office of money, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you change your I money. I don't know. I... I took French up to the ninth grade and then I stopped. When you go to the money desk at the uh, airport and they give you fresh Canadian dollars, dollars. Um, That's the Canadian currency, the dollar, dollar. The dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have some dollar, dollars, eh? <laughs> you get them freshly minted and they smell like maple syrup. And I didn't even, I didn't Google that. I, when I was first handed my a wad of uh, mm-hmm. dollar dollars of dollar dollar bills <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I took a hearty sniff because that's what we did back in the past we were given money we put them right put the money's right up to our nose and I put my fingers right on the money use the money to pay for food yeah and then ate that food with my fingers <laughs> in the airport Outlandish, I tell you. I don't know if that will ever happen again. Uh, the halcyon days of, like, a few years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is a personal safety announcement. Don't sniff money. (laughs) Don't put money anywhere near your face region. If you're listening to this in the year 2022, and you've been vaccinated for the coronavirus, sniff as much as you want. Lick it. You can be like a, a human sniffer dog. Just go around snuffling at things. Because you're free. <laughs> you have the luxury of putting your nose on your mouth on random surfaces. <laughs> which is all I want to do right now. Just like <laughs> face plant the, the world. Yeah. Lick everyone I see. You know? <laughs> but I'm not allowed to do that. Because it's not safe right now. No, it's not. <laughs> Wear a mask, folks. Um, so it was very strange when I came back to the UK and we also had that money. Mm-hmm. Long story short, <laughs> all money is danger money. All money is danger money. That's true. In a time of the coronavirus, all money is danger money. And actually, because of capitalism and how it's bad and stuff, all money is danger money anyway. It's really true. So, yeah, Ian Fleming is not a good writer, um, and Ian Fleming wrote the children's book this movie is based on, and then the script was written by friend of the podcast, Roald Dahl. (laughs) (laughs) And by friend, we mean sworn enemy. He loves a good sweetie factory. (laughs) Sworn enemy. Sounds like his ghost is coming in, like, haunting us individually. He's coming in here being like... You two, you two youngsters, you whippersnappers watching TV, (laughs) eating chocolates, are we? Listen, if I had met Roald Dahl in real life, he would be someone I would fight in the pit. (laughs) 
<laughs> Let's fight and talk. Would you? Yeah. Yeah, I would. When I was an undergrad, a Didn't couple of... Didn't he go to oh, war? Couldn't he fuck you up? He, no, he couldn't. Okay. His job was seducing the wives of important people. He oh, was a yeah. spy. Sorry, I forgot he wasn't a fighting man. He was a spy. He was a lover, not a fighter. Professionally. <laughs> professionally. A lover, not a fighter. Yeah. Uh, when I was in undergrad doing a literature degree, as you do, a couple of my friends had a list of people I had said, I'll fight them in the pit, too, in class. All of them long dead. <laughs> Some fights I'm confident I could have won, mm-hmm. some not so much. Yeah. I have said on record that I will fight Bear Grylls. <laughs> and I regret saying that. <laughs> because he's a- alive. Yeah. Super fit. Yeah. I have no combat training. I have said that I would fight Hemingway in the pit. Who was a, a fighty, fighty sort of guy, but he is dead, so I feel like I have the advantage here. Mm. Yeah. If they just tip Hemingway's dusty skeleton into the pit with me. Oh well, yeah, that would be easy. <laughs> but would it be right? But I've, no, I think you've got a you've got a black belt in karate. I do, yes. So I mean, I'm afraid of you. I saw you do kicks on a walk once. We just we just took a hike in early lockdown. And then Shannon was like, I'm going to show you some kicks I know. And then you just kicked for like 10 minutes. And I was like, I'm in danger. <laughs> I've been trying to practice, you know, staying, staying active in lockdown. Doing some kicks. It's hard in a small room. And I've been practicing jogging to run away from you kicking me. <laughs> But then you've also started jogging, so yeah. now you can chase me and then kick me. Yeah. But I've been kayaking, so I can kayak away from you. Yeah. If I'm by a body of water. <laughs> you've just got to get to the water of Lee. Yeah. And then you're safe. That's where I've been jogging. <laughs> I've been telling you I've been wa- jogging around Alpha's seat. No, mm. I'm actually going to a body of water, so that's yeah. why you've got to chase me. Mm. I shouldn't have revealed this information to you, really. Now I can train. Can hone my skills. I can hone my skills in other things. I can learn um, to lifting weights, and I can pick up a car and throw it at you. But in the mornings, do you like me eat four dozen eggs? <laughs> <laughs> no, I eat slices jam on toast and hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> I my job is to seduce the wives of the German soldiers in the Second World War. So <laughs> I'm not certain that was Rolf's job. <laughs> um, listener, it might sound like we're going on crazy tangents. And that every five minutes we switch to a randomly different topic. But this is performance art. This is, we've planned this. <laughs> this is a clever, a, a clever bit reflective of the film we've just watched. Yeah. You might, okay. So Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was always an obvious choice for Cursed or Blessed, the podcast that we do and we're doing right now. The <laughs> podcast that we're doing. <laughs> Our podcast. Yeah. Cusco's Poison. Poison for Cusco. Cusco's Poison. Right. 
our podcast. <laughs> because... Because a lot of people have mentioned it. Your mum said it. Yeah, my mum recommended it. Thanks, mum. Uh... Everyone remembers, I think, different elements of it. And no one remembers the full thing. And usually when that happens, it's because some cursed element has made us forget. Yeah. For example, Return to Oz. I remembered the wheelers and nothing else. <laughs> and I think that's because the wheelers had scared me enough to mm-hmm. forget the rest of the plot. Never-ending story, I remembered the luck dragon and nothing else, because apparently the rest of it put me into a coma. (laughs) (laughs) This is the way (laughs) of the Cursed or Blast movie. Uh, However, non-zags so hard as Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. My, yeah, the the capacity to which my mother recommended this is she said it was, you always loved it as a kid, you had it on all the time. Um, so you'd think that bits of this would ring faint bells. Mm. Not so. Same. I remember enjoying it as a kid. I think I remember 20% of this movie. I remembered a couple of the songs. There's 30 songs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's like 50 songs. (laughs) There are like 100 songs in this film. They never stop. Film is just a bunch of songs vaguely stitched together by narration from v- Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, it's like the um, the the uh, people who made Mamma Mia got the idea of a jukebox musical off of this. <laughs> Chitty Chitty Bang Bang <laughs> is a jukebox musical in spirit, but not in practice, because they yeah. did write the songs for this. Yeah, and the person who did the choreography for this movie. Also did the choreography for Phantom of the Opera and Jellicle Cats Come Out Tonight. Jellicle Cats Come On, Come On. The Jellicle Moon is shining bright. Jellicles come to the Jellicle Ball. But we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> what is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang about? Um. That's a great question. (laughs) On a level, it's about an inventor and his two kids and his love interest, who is the heiress to a candy fortune, um, and a a car that he built. On another level, it's about Dick Van Dyke having a lot of star power at this point in history. (laughs) Um, and on... A third level, it's about writing movies that you want Julie Andrews to star in, but she rejects a spot in. (laughs) Um, Yeah. The movie starts with car sounds for, like, a minute. I'm not exaggerating. It's a black screen, and it's like... It goes on long enough. That like, the way we watch our cursed or blurs movies is with a uh, eyes. A, a monitor hooked up to my laptop. I thought I had accidentally turned the monitor off. <laughs> like it went on for so long that I was like, have I have I turned this off and we're just getting a black screen because I've made a technological error. And then after that, there's a full like 10 minutes of a car race at the British Grand Prix and then at the German Grand Prix yeah and it's we never see any of these people again and there's no car race in the movie 
But it just primes us. There's cars. There's cars. There was a car that had won some Grand Prix and then got trashed. The German one, I think. Mm. And then we fast forward in time to uh, somewhere in the southern English countryside. I want to say somewhere like Kent. And there are some kids who are playing around in the car. And they want the car. It's at like a junkyard. And we're introduced to, introduced to a character called Mr. Goggins, who I feel like was meant to be, he was built up to be a bigger character than he ended up being. Yeah. The he, kids just were like, Mr. Goggins, he's a really mean old man. He's trying to trash our car to make it into scrap metal. Daddy, please save our car. Daddy, daddy. <laughs> Mr. Goggins has been very kind letting these children play in this junk car in his scrapyard that he it's there for him to sell but the kids play in it like they're racing in it yeah and these are the most irritating children so far i know this is a bold claim because we've watched a lot of irritating children but i think these are the worst ones yeah these are worse than the childlike empress from <laughs> never ending story which was a personal low for me um worse than dorothy from return to oz yes yeah uh yeah the these children have no uh <laughs> personality other than they love their daddy yep and they they're there to say awkward things to uh facilitate the love plot between the father who is the inventor and the heiress. Oh, their mom is dead. Yep, we never <laughs> have any further context for that. Yeah, they never mention her, so whatever. It's not important, I guess. I guess I'm just kind of zagging hard because the last movie we watched before this was Frozen 2, <laughs> which was dead mother heavy. Yeah. You know? Yep. But whatever. <laughs> This movie is a hundred years long. (laughs) We started watching it last night, and we thought, this is a children's movie. It's probably going to hit about, like, an hour and a half. Most Disney movies are about an hour and a half long. Mm -hmm. And we put it on, and I, I got a Skype call last night, so I was getting to a point where... I was, it was pushing up on, on nine o'clock when I was supposed to be calling people, and the plot had not emerged. No. From the random collection of events we'd watched. And at that point, we finally thought, how long is this movie? Two hours and 25 minutes. We didn't, we got about halfway through the first night. Yes. And then about five minutes into watching the rest of it today, we started talking, uh, we thought, wow, this movie is really long, and then suddenly the screen went black, and it said, intermission! <laughs> oh, that it did, Shannon, that it did. And then we had a full two minutes of uh, intermission music, which allowed me time to go to the lobby, pick up some popcorn, check my phone, which I was not allowed to check inside the theatre, and... Which I also shouldn't have in 69. Mm-hmm. But I'm a time traveller, so I've gone back in time to 69. Right. To watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. S- 68. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you're right. I have gone back in time to 68 to to watch this movie. Yeah. Just to gauge the reaction. So here's what I found. So here's what happened. Shannon and I watched this movie here. And then I was like, how did this go down in the past? So then I got into my time machine and I, 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 I gauged the audience. And they loved it. And I was like, God, people are stupid in history. And let me tell you, that time machine takes up a lot of space in our living room. Yeah, I'm sorry. I brought it back from home. And every time you have to use it, we gotta clear all the plants off it. Because we just put the plants on it so they get some sunlight. Exactly. Um, I'm sorry, it, 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 we don't have a garden else I'd put it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, people loved it. Why did I... Where were we? Caractacus Potts is the father of this film. <laughs> he is played by Dick Van Dyke, and he he is from this little island in between the, the United States and Great Britain called Lilypad Island. <laughs> His accent is worse than it is in Mary Poppins. Worse or just different? Worse. At least you can see he's trying to go for something in Mary Poppins, you know? <laughs> he's trying so hard to be caught. All right, Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, step in time, my name is Bert. Right? Bert, yeah. Bert, okay. and I'm uh, 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 a chimney sweep in here, London town. But in this, he's like, I'm Caractacus Potts. I love my two children, <laughs> yeah. Jemima and the other one. <laughs> <laughs> the part of... Dick Van Dyke is played by Siri. <laughs> Wait, did I sound like Siri just yeah, then? you just sounded like a text-to-speech no, generator. No, you didn't. You did. I sounded like Karatika's Potts, And when you were trying it. to do Bert from Mary Poppins, you sounded like a Texan. I was trying to do... Can, Shannon, can you give me some credit here? <laughs> I was trying to do Dick Van Dyke, an American... Badly doing a Cockney accent whilst being British myself. <laughs> it's hard. As a, as a Canadian growing up watching Mary Poppins, that was genuinely how I thought British people talked for a good portion of my childhood. Oh, it is Shannon. We do sound like this. <laughs> this is how we talk. If we're poor, we sound like this. And if we're posh, we sound like this, children. <laughs> These are the two accents. This one and this one, Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Yeah, those are the only two. And moving here, I have confirmed that. Yeah. The Scottish have their own version of that. Yeah. But it's not my place to, to do an accent that isn't my own. So I won't. Mostly because I'm scared you... You'll tell me that I sound like Siri. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the times when I say things innocently, you say I either sound like Siri or, or like Laszlo from What We Do in the Shadow. Because <laughs> you often sound like Laszlo from Fuck What We you. Do in the Shadow. <laughs> that remains this podcast's official television recommendation, by the way. Sponsor what We Do in the Shadows. Sponsor us. <laughs> Um, the TV series and the film. Caractacus Potts <laughs> is the father, and he's an eccentric, 
and he is an inventor, and he does really cool, really cool inventions, like rocket, rocket propelled skis, and an egg carousel. <laughs> it's like there's a, an invention that's like a meant to be a breakfast maker, but like part of it is really just a bunch of eggs on spoons going in a circle. I love the background <laughs> inventions in this movie. If you watch this movie, do yourself a favor and look at everything in the background. Because, like, nine times out of ten, it's just, like, stuff stuck to a wheel going in a circle. Like, there's a scene in the... I don't I don't even know how to describe what's going on in this scene. In yeah, we dungeon... have a lot of ground to cover before we get there. In the dungeon of the King of Bulgaria. Um... That's just a bunch of violins, just on a carousel, <laughs> going in a circle. It's just in the background. And yeah, there's an egg carousel in the Potts house, and a sausage carousel as well, and... Oi, 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 <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> and, uh... I, I like that some of the things he invents are just reinventing stuff that already exists, like the music box. You don't know what it was like in the past, Shannon. In, You've not been there, unlike me. 1909? The, yeah. All the invention, all the technology from that time is a little bit stupid because they don't know any better. Yeah, they don't know things at all. They just have things going around a big mechanical wheel. Because <laughs> they know a wheel is good. That's how about we mechanicalize it. If you studied history, you'd know this. I'd know that. That's true. The past is a different country. They do things differently. <laughs> that, uh, that... It's from the go-between. That masters and an undergrad in 19th century literature and science just did nothing for me. Or retained <laughs> nothing. No. Whereas if you do a, a, a PhD in Tundra ecology <laughs> like me, you know exactly what sort of technology they were inventing in 1909. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the love interest in this movie, the heiress to the sweet fortune that we alluded to at the beginning of this episode, is very stupidly named Truly Scrumptious because Ian Fleming wrote this and he's a hack. <laughs> The hack that brought us the Bond girl, Pussy Galore. Wouldn't it be funny if this ca- this character's name was Pussy Galore? <laughs> and then all the kids, the kids, the kids sing a song when the the two adults are sort of dating. They go to the beach and they sing, "Truly scrumptious, you're truly, truly scrumptious." Imagine if they had the same thing, but she was called Pussy Galore. <laughs> Pussy Galore. <laughs> You have pussies galore. <laughs> we would like for you to be our mom. <laughs> the truly scrumptious song, I think, is the most obnoxious song. Yeah. And this poorman, who's known this guy for like two days, gets accosted by his two children, who are basically like, Be our mother, please. Mm-hmm. Our daddy is so fun and so kind. You should get married. Even though the first time she meets their father, he's very dismissive and rude to her until he discovers that she's the important heiress to a candy factory that he's trying to sell some of his sweets he's invented to. Before I forget, can we talk about that? Because at this point in the movie, at least five years have passed in 
in in human time in our time. Yeah. Um. So we've been watching it for a lot a while, and I've started to grow gray hairs, and you know, yeah. I'm in my very early thirties, and <laughs> and and I've made a down payment on a house, and I finished my degree. Yeah. But I'm still watching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. Because it's so long, <laughs> but it's still the beginning of the movie, and at this point. Dick Van Dyke's character has found out that a, a sweet, he was a hard boiled sweet he was making that he'd boiled incorrectly, so it had like little holes in, was like a flute. So he wanted to sell that to the guy at the sweet factory, Mr. Scrumptious. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like I'm having some kind of fever dream. Because this is where I'm like, oh, I can kind of see why Roald Dahl might have been asked to. Mm-hmm. It's very Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It is, yeah. They just sing a song called Toot Sweet mm-hmm. about how it's a great sweet. And all the people are dancing, all the people who work in the factory are like jumping around and doing pirouettes and mm-hmm. backflips and stuff. Everyone's doing parkour off the rails. Yeah. There's sweets flying everywhere. Sounds but, like I'm exaggerating, it's not. There's a bit that's very reminiscent of Step in Time from Mary Poppins. Yeah. And then all of these dogs from a local pound get with they like smell the sweets no they hear the whistle they hear the whistle yeah and then thousands of dogs <laughs> charge through an open door into the factory and wreck the place <laughs> and dick van dyke leaves shamefaced because the the ceo of the factory blames him for this random onslaught of dogs through their open <laughs> factory doors and windows. Like, they're pouring in through open windows. <laughs> sending rivers <laughs> of molten candy everywhere. I once had a nightmare about that, that, that my house was full of cats. Like, the bathtub was full of cats. Cats mm. were being sick and stuff. Mm. And then there was this hot, hot air balloon outside that was full of cats that were landing to come into my house and there were like loads of hot air balloons full of cats and they just wouldn't stop coming. Yeah. And I was like, this is too much. Yeah. This is too much. I was like, five. How many of them were Jellicle cats? Oh, all of them. You were hosting the Jellicle ball. I was. And you that gotta was... be prepared. And then I felt betrayed by my own cat for letting the other cats in. Mm. And I remember as a kid being quite angry at my cat for about a week for being like, you wouldn't do that to me, would you, Mo? <laughs> and she'd be like, maybe. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. This is the same cat that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. She looked a lot like Salem from Sabrina. Yeah. And I was scared that she was also a convict turned into a cat. <laughs> And therefore, I didn't want to see me in the nude, like, walk into the bathroom and see me. And then I found out that some academic guy also had a thing about cats seeing him in the nude. And now I feel like a tool. Derrida? Derrida. Yeah, Derrida. <laughs> me and Derrida organically thought the same thought, but for yeah. very different reasons. I, think I don't Derrida think Derrida maybe... watched Sabrina. I think Derrida also watched Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, for the uninitiated, the sitcom Sabrina the Teenage Witch, not the current Netflix series, um, Sabrina has a, a cat called Salem who talks, and a little ways into the show, they discover that Salem talks because he tried to take over the world as a human warlock and was sentenced to live a thousand years as a cat, <laughs> um, and so is is living out his sentence 
at Sabrina's house. But Sabrina doesn't know for most of her life. Yeah. That he is a war criminal. <laughs> that, that's, that her her pet cat is a human man who's been transformed into a cat as a punishment and is the best character maybe on television. And you can <laughs> see why I was worried about my cat that looked like Salem seeing me naked. Mm-hmm. Because she could have been a war criminal and a warlock. Yeah. Sentenced to live as a cat for trying to take over the world. Cats have since seen me naked. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind. Because I've realised that that doesn't happen in real life. And I also had a very good thought as a child. Why am I worried about cats seeing me naked when I see cats naked every day? That's true. Maybe you should you should email Derrida and be like, buddy, it's fine. Is he dead? I don't know. <laughs> this is not in my realm of academia. I re- it is in mine, and I don't know the answer to that. I have a feeling this is a new segment of Cursed or Blurst called Is That Academic Dead? <laughs> Volume 1, Derrida. I think yes. Yes, he's been dead since 2004. Rest in peace to Derrida. I wonder if the cat's still alive. <laughs> Rest in peace, maybe, to the cat. Schrodinger's dead, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, Schrodinger is dead. For sure? <laughs> <laughs> Not we won't know till we open the grave. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, we do have fun on Cursed or Blurst. <laughs> There's a bit in this movie where, um, where Caractacus sings a song from War of the Worlds to the cat. Um. (laughs) It's impossible to talk about the plot of this movie without it sounding stupid. And that's not our fault. In the Tom, Tom Cruise version of War of the Worlds, right? Yeah. Um. The child character... Dakota Fanning, I think. I don't remember. Sings the the song Hushabye Mountain, which turns out is from this movie, which neither of us knew. Say goodbye (laughs) to Hushabye Mountain. Imagine an alien getting closer to you. (laughs) Sail far away to Hushabye Bay. The tripod reaches its arm into the house. And after traumatizing his children with his lullaby, he <laughs> decides to earn money by going to a circus. Yep. And using trialing his new haircutting machine, giving a guy a really bad haircut and nearly setting his head on fire, running away from this man through the circus and joining a group of Morris dancers. Yeah. For a really long dance routine. Yeah. Called Me All Bamboo. Where they're singing about bamboo sticks. <laughs> and I thought this is going to be about penises, right? But now I'm thinking it's actually about bamboo. I could understand maybe 10% of the lyrics of this song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie is so 
like annoyingly British <laughs> that I had to do some translations for Shannon. <laughs> this was just another stepping time. It was. This was a vehicle for, like, well, we've got Dick Van Dyke in this movie. We better make him dance. Apparently, this song took 23 takes. Um, Dick Van Dyke was, like, 42 or 43 when he filmed this movie, and, like, all of the other dancers are in their 20s. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? He does a great job. He does. This is true. And I'm just gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. And I don't care. I don't care. What kind of shit I get for this? Dick Van Dyke, in his prime, was kind of hot. Yeah. In my opinion. I think that's fair. Thanks. And the dan- and, and dancing Dick Van Dyke, good old dancing Dick, <laughs> really hits the spot for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sh- Shannon! <laughs> judging you i'm judging the phrase hits the spot (laughs) why it's usually what you say when you've eaten something good (laughs) okay hey (laughs) um so he's earned some money he's earned a little bit of steals no he he puts out his hat after doing the dance, and then people tip him. Ah, yes. I don't know if it's theft, because he actually did do the dance. No, that's true. Um, and people who enjoyed the performance are, like, giving him coins like he's a busker. Um, and then he buys the scrap car with the money he earned at the, the circus fair, whatever, um, and then shines it up and, and makes it into... Chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty chitty bang. I can't say chitty chitty bang bang very easily. How to say chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty chitty bang 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 bang. It sounds like I'm saying titty titty bam bam. Which I don't want to I don't want to say titty titty bam bam. But it's hard to say chitty chitty bang. Is that just me? Chitty chitty bang bang. Chitty chitty. I don't know. I say my T's as D's because I'm Canadian. Maybe I've got it's like harder. a South Ontario maybe, accent that makes me speak this way. Maybe it's harder to do with a British accent, which is why they had Dick Van Dyke. Mm. Um. So he's got this car. And they take Truly Scrumptious out on a delightful trip to the beach, where at the end of a delightful day, Dick Van Dyke starts telling the children a story about a land called Vulgaria. You might be thinking, Bulgaria? No, Bulgaria. And it's not even really trying to be Bulgaria, it's trying to be Bavaria. Exactly! (laughs) So I was like, oh no, they're not going to be mean about Bulgaria, are they? No, they're just mean about Germany. Yeah. Which um, is also they shouldn't be, but you know, whatever. All the characters in it had very thick Bavarian accents, like fake ones, and any time, like would throw random German words into the sentence. So I was like, yes. clearly meant to be Bavaria. Um, a ship full of Bul- Bulgarian pirates? Maybe? And 
agents of the king, duke men, spy, spy the car and they want to steal it for reasons. And then they try to escape the heroes by the car can turn into a raft. So they have a scene that takes like 30 minutes <laughs> where they're just boating around the area. Being, having cannons fired at them from this Vulgarian ship. And then you're thinking, how are they going to escape? They escape by driving it back onto land. And then just driving away. And then you think, why were they a boat in the first place? And then the two spies come off of the ship um disguise themselves as Englishmen, which was very funny. <laughs> it was very funny. Uh and they they try to catch the car, they end up catching the wrong car, and then they get into a Zeppelin and end up kidnapping the the children's grandfather who lives with them. He's got like this little shed that he hangs out in and they just like hook the shed on the zeppelin and drag him away yes and then they chase the the the, the zeppelin in the car which now has wings and can fly and they chase it all the way to vulgaria to a castle which is definitely norschwenstein but not before maybe the most useless song May and I say May, maybe. maybe we've been skipping. We've skipped over like five songs in our <laughs> plot description so far. But special shout out to this stupid song. <laughs> the grandpa is in his little outhouse, which is being dragged by the zeppelin, and he is singing about how posh he feels to be traveling dragged by a string in his outhouse from a zeppelin. He's like, oh, it's posh to be flying in the sea. <laughs> And I'm nearly drowning, but I'm also flying. I am posh. This is very, very posh. I go to this country. I go to that country. I'm in the plane, but I'm not in the plane. This song required a lot of translation from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't understand what was happening. Um, I think my contender for most useless song is the song after the seaside where they drop not after the seaside. Um, yeah. Whenever they drop off Truly at home, mm -hmm. and she sings a song about, like, maybe kind of being into Caraticus, and it's like, yeah, I gathered, and it's really long and useless. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing a lot of swirling around the garden. Yeah. And singing with her mouth wide open. It's a it's a bit in the movie where you're like, this movie really wants to be the sound of music. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was the point at which I googled Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Julie Andrews and found that they uh, offered the role to Julie Andrews and she said no. <laughs> <laughs> the, woman, the woman who plays Truly does a very good job. Yeah. And yeah, but it, it is a very Mary Poppins slash whatever the hell her name is from The Sound of Music sort of character. Like, yes. if, you, if you put the two of them in a blender. <laughs> yeah. Which is why Julie Andrews said no, because she didn't want to be typecast. That is fair enough, and she may have gotten very bored in this movie. Yeah. We are about halfway through, we're exactly halfway through the plot at this point. Yeah, this was the point at which uh, we stopped yesterday. They, they 
follow the Zeppelin all the way to Bulgaria. When they when the grandpa lands in the castle, he is they think he is Caractacus, but he's not. But they want him to invent a floating car for the king. Mm-hmm. And he if he doesn't do this within twenty four hours, he gets his head chopped off and stuffed with sauerkraut. And then he's in this sort of dungeon where he has to invent this floating car. And there's these guys. <laughs> there's these guys who are inventors who've been down there for, like, decades. And yeah. they're all old and have been tortured. But they sing a lovely song about how it doesn't matter if you fail. Because out of the ashes grow the roses of success. And it's a bit like a shitty grease lightning. <laughs> A lot of the songs in this are but a shitty grease lightning. <laughs> but they're like dancing around on the car and putting yeah. like little life rings on there. Um, and when they do actually reveal the car and they test it, a weird thing happens. Do you want to take this, Shannon? Because this has bothered you a lot. When they test in the car with the king and the baroness. Oh yeah, they they press a button and the baroness um, is in, she's in the back. And a spring just, like, ejects her, because this was written by the writer of James Bond. Um, (laughs) And her, like, her big layered skirt inflates, and then the the Baron is like, I've been waiting for this chance for years, and takes out, like, a shotgun (laughs) and tries to shoot her down and ends up, like, shooting a hole through her skirt and she falls in the water and he's like, I'll get her next time. So starting the random subplot for 20 minutes of the movie where the Baron is trying to kill his wife. We have no concept as to why. Um, And then when they return down to the courtyard, they see the chitty chitty bang bang the car and the heroes of this movie are landing in the town. Mm -hmm. And they land in the town and soon realize something is afoot. There are no children in this town. Which they notice way too quickly. I'm never looking for children. I've never, I don't think I would notice that in a city if I was like a tourist. Be like, there are no children. They're like very rattled by it very soon after arriving. And they have a reason, but they just notice it too soon. And then everyone gets all startled in the square and the toy maker pulls them into his house and is like, you must hide. There is an evil child snatcher and he will snatch your child's. Hide under this uh, blanket and they go down into the cellar and hide because the, there's a child snatcher who is employed by the Baroness who's afraid of children mm-hmm. to find and do something with the children of Bulgaria where people are not allowed to have kids. And I didn't like this when I was a kid. Because I was scared of the child catcher, mm-hmm. who I'm not afraid of anymore, because he's not that scary. But I am afraid of the implications. Yep. I just didn't like it. There are too many bits where there are soldiers searching through, thoroughly through houses, trying to find hidden people, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. No, it was not good. It was a very confusing plot, because it kind of goes nowhere. Not that anything in this movie goes anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they go to Bulgaria. <laughs> or do they? Or do they? Exactly. 
Um, yeah, I agree with you. The child catcher did, I think, freak me out as a kid. But it was just a bizarre plot. Eventually, the child catcher lures the two kids out by offering them candy. This is after the kids have been warned of the threats. Yep. And told to do as they're told and not go outside. And the child catcher puts in zero effort, ultimately, (laughs) and catches the kids. He's like, children, I have lollipops, lollipops for the children. I have, I have sweeties and treacle tarts. And then the boy kid is like, treacle tarts? Let's go and eat the sweeties, Jemima. And they run outside and then walk into the car and get captured and taken to the castle. And put in the tower. Yes. And then Truly and Karatikas catch up again and are like, oh no, let's go save them. And the toy maker is like, I am the secret underground resistance of this town. The toy maker shows them to a cavern full of children. Urchins. Um, Poor starving children. Who've been left to fend for themselves and like get their own food stolen from the city and live in the sewers. Um, And then Karatikas says like, I have a plan. And it cuts to the next day, which is the Baron's birthday, conveniently. And the toy maker shows up with new toys for the Baron. And it's like a a wind-up music box doll. Mm-hmm. And, a, like, a Raggedy Ann. And the wind-up music box doll is, is truly on a little turntable. Mm-hmm. And the Raggedy Ann doll is Karatikus. And... They both sing very long songs to this group of... of Idiots. Assembled idiots. Who all... They're like, these are toys. Who think they're both clockwork. The songs are so long. They're excruciatingly long. And then the bear... I am a doll in a music box. I'm cursed by a witch. (laughs) I was a woman and now I'm a doll. I am in pain, my life is a misery. And everyone's like, yes, yes, true art, yes. And then the Baron gets suspicious and comes down to inspect them further. And then ends up just being delighted by them. And has a dance-off. And has a dance-off with the Raggedy Ann doll. And then (laughs) at this point, children start coming up through the, the sewer grates and through the ceiling of the castle to to put like ropes and manacles and stuff around all the the nobles could they not have done this earlier and at this point you're just watching it thinking is this the same movie where i had to sit and watch all those dogs fly into that factory and is this the same movie where i watched step in time bamboo (laughs) and is this the same movie (laughs) <laughs> where I watched a really prolonged raft scene. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, yeah, so then in the confusion, they go and get the children and the grandfather, and they get in the car and go back to England, leaving the country embroiled in civil war. Except um, that they didn't, because it was all a fanciful story told by Karatikas to his children and truly on the beach that one time. Yeah, so it cuts back to the beach, 
and then the children are like, what happens next? Do do you and Truly get married? And then Truly, instead of, like, looking away and ignoring that, like a normal human person, <laughs> is like, yes, is that how the story ends? And Karatikas behaves like a person and is like, it's getting late, we should go home. <laughs> and, like, drives away from the beach and drops her off at home. And then he goes off to talk to her away from the children and he's like, we can't be together. You're rich and I'm not. I struggle with money. And she's like, you know, if I said that to you, you'd call me a snob, as though that's the same thing. <laughs> and then he goes away, goes back home, and it turns out Truly's father, the head of the scrumptious empire, is with, um, is with Karatikus's father playing toy soldiers. And it's like... He was the he was the brigadier of, mm. under the... the over the, I don't know what position in the army mm. the grandpa had, but they're friends from the wars. Mm-hmm. They've killed together. They've colonized lands together. Yep. They've committed countless evils. Yep. For the empire together. Yep. And they're friends. <laughs> oh boy. And and boy does the the sweetie tycoon have good news for for our heroes. He wants to patent the toot sweets as woof toots, <laughs> as dog flutes, as little sweets, because dogs love them, and that Karatikas is going to be rich from now on. Yeah, so then he goes back to see Truly and says that they can get married now, and then the movie ends. And then they fly off, they're driving, and the car starts flying. Which I also think Greece does better. It happens at the end of Greece, yeah. Does it happen at the end of Greece because of this? I assume this is where they got the technology to do. I was just wondering if it's a reference. Because it's also a souped up car in this, you know? If Greece was inspired by Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, that's not a world I want to live in anymore. I feel like I need to watch Greece again to cleanse my soul after this movie usually we go through the plot more quickly than this listeners but you gotta you've got to experience zag after zag if this movie seems episodic it's because it was are you okay i'm trying to discover if the grease bit is inspired by chitty chitty bang bang um there's nothing immediately that pops up on on google so i'm gonna go with no and then the movie ends and you're left questioning your life choices yep. and why you spent 200 years <laughs> watching the movie. Why you decided to have your mind uploaded into a robot body. Yeah. In order to finish this film. Even though the earth is crumbling around you and there's nothing much to live for. Mm-hmm. And now what? We're just robots? It wasn't worth it. I'm no. just going to say it. No. Even though I can shoot lasers at my butt now, <laughs> I don't think it was worth it. Didn't even go to Tokyo 2021 Olympics, which I really wanted to go to. So I was busy watching the stupid dog scene yeah. of this movie right at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 
somehow feels like the longest movie we've watched. And we've done multiple movies in a night for our Double Dip episodes. Yes. Um. It, it wasn't, bo- like, I was engaged throughout, but I was like, how much of my life do I have to sacrifice for this podcast? You know? I, th- I think it's because it's so episodic. Like, there's very little to tie one event to the next. Yeah. Stuff kind of seems to happen at random. There's not a lot of cause and effect. And stuff doesn't come back at all. <laughs> like, those people at the Grand Prix at the beginning, I was like, oh, okay, this is a movie about a car. They're going to invent a car, and it's going to win the Grand Prix. Like, I thought that was the point. No. No. The Mr. Ca- Goggins, who was being sort of framed as a villain, does not come back. Nope. And... The guy who initially wanted to buy the car doesn't come back. I thought he would come back as, like, the rival in the race or something. There's no car race in this movie. No, there's no car race in this movie. and There should have been. This is a movie titled after a car, and the car, I think, plays very little role in it. Yeah, at one point, you said that you thought you got the parts of the movie conflated with Herbie. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's car races in Herbie. I got bits of it conflated with a, a show called Brum, which I don't think you're familiar with. No. This is a popular British kids show about a little car, a little old-fashioned car, mm-hmm. called Brum. And it's called that because it's from Birmingham. <laughs> and you call black people from Birmingham Brummies. If something's from Birmingham, it's Brum. Okay. That's not a slur, by the way. It's just what you call them. They call themselves that. The car is from Birmingham, it's Brum. And also Brum Brum. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm in my mum's car. Brum Brum. Get out me car! Oh. You remember that vine? I do, yes. Um, For all the TikTok kids listening, what I just referred to was called a vine. And it was so beautiful. And now it's gone. And I thought that Vine would last forever. And it didn't. It lasted, what, three years? Probably a bit longer than that. Not long. And it just got taken down. And none of us were expecting it. And then we all made Vine compilations, like Rest in Peace, Vine. We're all quite upset. All I'm saying is don't get attached to TikTok, because you never know when it's going to get taken down. Just prepare yourselves. TikTok will go. It's going to go. Okay, hi guys, uh, so just an update here, when we recorded this, TikTok hadn't, wasn't in any trouble, and then at the time of editing, it was the same day that Donald Trump happened to say that he might get rid of TikTok. Um, just to say, I don't think I'm an oracle, but clearly I've, I've somehow predicted the end, the demise of TikTok, I didn't want this to happen. So, um, this is a little bit spooky for me, because I've predicted the end of an app. Um, so, so just, just so you know, uh, I can do magic now, and yeah, what follows is a slight ribbing of Gen Z, um, but also Millennials too. Uh, we all hate ourselves, and we don't hate you Gen Z, you're great, there's nothing wrong with Gen Z. Enjoy your TikTok while it lasts, I'm sorry. And you have to lift to lip sync to songs some other way. Do you think we have a, a lot of Gen Z listeners? Um, we're a 
on the cusp between <laughs> Gen Z and Millennial. Yeah. We're like the youngest of Millennials. Yeah, I'm the youngest a Millennial can be. Sometimes my cousin listens to this and he's younger than me. Is he younger than me though? Mm, yeah, he is. My brother might listen to this and he showed me his favourite TikToks the other day. <laughs> and I don't know. Listen, if you're Gen Z, um, tell us if you are, and we'll cater to, we'll cater more to you. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we'll we'll put, we'll play some Doja Cat at the beginning of our episodes. <laughs> we'll throw in some references to the kind of stuff you like. Like you know how Gen, you know Gen Z, you know how they like are politically aware and we're not. Yeah. 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 That's the way Gen Z yeah. is. You know how they're like. They're nice people and stuff, and and but we're all tired and worn down and terrible, and we were given medals and stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. This is the sort of stuff we have to say for Gen Z to listen to us, because mm-hmm. they think they're better than us, <laughs> even though we have disposable income. <laughs> you little shits. They're like, oh, 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 millennials talk about drinking wine all the time. Look who drank wine tonight. Oh, they keep on talking about how, how they have plants, so how they're all plant moms and plant dads. Hey, guess who can afford plants? Okay, most of the plants in this flat are borrowed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when my office shut down because of the Rona, I brought back so many plants for our flat. That I had to call Elise to come meet me at the office to help me carry them back to the flat. It was so millennial. <laughs> and then we had brunch. <laughs> we didn't have brunch because we didn't want to get the Rona. Yeah. Even though, like, the night before, we'd gone to a cocktail bar with a coughing lady. <laughs> but the moral of the story is we shouldn't, um, we probably shouldn't make fun of Gen Z because they're all trained how to code and... They're going to take all of the cool tech jobs yeah. and um, and save the economy and save the environment because they said they would. So we're holding them accountable. Mm-hmm. They've got the energy, whereas we're old and decrepit, so we're not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. So we shouldn't be mean to Gen Z because they're the only ones who are good in this world. All of them. No bad ones. No bad ones. <laughs> this is what boomers sound like. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I find funny? How there's like Gen Z, Millennials, Gen Y, and then Boomers, I think. I think it's Gen X and then Boomers. That's the thing. Because I was talking to my mum about these the other day. um, And she was saying, I don't think I'm a Boomer. And I was like, I don't know, maybe you're not. But I didn't know what she was. (laughs) And I feel like Gen X have gotten away with, without any of this. Um, okay, they've gone through hardships. I'm not saying they haven't, but they've one thing they've escaped is generational warfare. Yeah, because people forget about them. Whereas I feel like boomers <laughs> and millennials and Gen Z are always embroiled in this stupid generational warfare. Mm-hmm. I wish I was part of a forgettable generation. Oh, we're Gen Y. Gen Y is also millennials. Is it? Gen X is like our parents. What is the exact range of Gen X? Gen X is I'm sure 1965 to 1980 
1980. Though some sources use the birth years as early as 1960 and ending somewhere Mm. as as late as 1985. Oh, my parents are cuspers. Yeah, mine too. Just like we're cuspers. We're cuspers. We can never belong. (laughs) We're nearly Gen Z, but I don't understand TikTok. But I don't understand. And I think that makes me a millennial. (laughs) But here's the thing. There's a lot of the things that people talk about millennials, they're talking about people in their 30s. Mm -hmm. Like their mid-30s. And a lot of millennials have kids and houses Mm -hmm. and prospects. Yeah. And we have none of those We have things. none of those things. We have a house. But we also, yeah, that we rent. Yeah, we live in a house. We, li- we, have, we, we have a home. <laughs> We're sheltered from the elements. <laughs> so that's the thing. We, we're not like the older millennials, who I think all the millennial hate is directed at. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I look at my brother and his friends, and they're not that much younger than me, mm-hmm. but they have a different relationship with technology. They grew up with the internet. Yeah. They didn't have to be taught stuff. My brother as well, yeah. And, um... Whereas I remember the dial-up sound. (laughs) (laughs) Like... (laughs) Sorry, I just made a a bird sound, an exotic bird sound. That wasn't dial-up. Gen Z, if you want to know what AOL dial-up sounded like, just push a toaster down some stairs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Gen Z, um, have you ever tried to save a, a, a document on Word? No, of course, you know, on Google Drive. But have you ever had to go on Word for school to do a homework? And then you try and save the document? You know the little picture that you press <laughs> to save? Have you ever looked at that and thought, what is that? It's called a floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs> and it's terrible. And they hold zero memory. <laughs> it's like the homeopathy of storage <laughs> devices. <laughs> Um, when I was a kid, my dad won a a first-gen iPod in a raffle, um, that I used to carry around when I was delivering catalogs, because it had the audiobook for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy on it, (laughs) and I would listen to it, and it was so big, it was, like, four times the size of my cell phone right now. (laughs) Um, my dad called it the Dinopod. (laughs) Because it worked, like, well into the mid-2000s. <laughs> um, I'm still carrying this massive brick of technology around. Shannon, do you want to hear something really funny? Yeah. One time my dad, for some reason, got to keep a bunch of excavated iPods that were burned in a fire. What? <laughs> like, really old iPods. The clunkiest ones you can think of. All melted and stuff at the side. And he said that I could play around with them to see if any of them still worked. Um, and one of them did, and it basically only had Chris Brown. <laughs> so I had it, but I didn't listen to any of it, because I knew deep in my heart that Chris Brown was a bad man. Yeah. All my dino pod could carry was The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The audiobook. But not the whole thing. Oh no. Um, so I would have to download half of it. And then when I got through my catalog route, go back home and re-download the other half so I could listen to the rest of the book for the next week. Gen Z, do you see how hard it was in the past? <laughs> to walk uphill both ways with our 
dragging our iPods behind on a dolly. <laughs> yeah, I had to work out, I had to lift so I could carry my iPod around with me. This giant, giant honking great thing made of glass and metal. I had a Walkman when I was a kid. <laughs> I had a one for cassette tapes, and then it was a big, big thing when I got one for compact discs. Compact discs. CD-ROMs. <laughs> and it would overheat because it was spinning too fast, and I'd have to put it down for a bit to cool off. <laughs> In our house, we had this machine that, like, when you were making breakfast, it had these... Like little this wheel, and you put your eggs on it, and it aired the eggs out. Yeah, and it was invented by Coretticus Potts. Yeah, because Coretticus Potts is the king of the millennials. Yeah, egg egg wheels and violin spinners. <laughs> He's a young parent who can barely afford to keep his children alive, and if that's not the true millennial spirit, I don't know what is. Shannon, did you think? <laughs> Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> Was Curse blessed or blessed? God, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> It's not blessed. I'm gonna go with blurst, I think. I wasn't bored, and that, that I think, precludes it from a curse. Mm. Um, There's definitely some, some heavy cursed elements to it. But I think I think I'm gonna go with blurst, a low blurst, but a blurst nonetheless. I'm going for a high cursed, because I I don't think you have to be bored mm-hmm. for a movie to be cursed. I was incredibly engaged during <laughs> Cat in the Hat. Yeah, Cat in the Hat was a, a low cursed for me. <laughs> um, but I do feel I feel like I've walked away having wasted my time and my life, <laughs> even though. I was engaged. I, I, I just have a, a more of a. I have a newfound respect for a coherent plot. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. and I just hated the children. Yeah, they at, were. At one point, because I knew the child snatcher was coming, I said with my mouth, <laughs> "God, I can't wait for that child snatcher to turn up," <laughs> and I, I regret saying it. But the fact that I said it. Is what makes it a cursed and not a blurst for mm. me, but a high curse. Yeah, I think it's a low blurst for me. There were definitely some some elements of it that were very cursed, but I had a good time. I was engaged. I was having fun. I don't think I'll have nightmares about it. No, and I thought it was going to be very scary, but it actually wasn't. Yeah. What was scary was the passage of time. That's true. And that's the scariest thing of all. And aging comes for us all, whether we like it or not. And Gen Z, you might think that you'll be young forever, but one day you'll wake up, you'll have wrinkles on your face. And a bunch of plants. And a bunch of plants. And a bottle of wine in the fridge. But you'll have money because you've got a job and you don't live at home anymore. So that will be quite nice. But the world will be ending. Yeah. Because the boomers ruined it for us. The bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this is what I love about time, is that you can just blame people in the past for stuff. I bet Chitty Chitty Bang Bang had a lot of emissions. That does not look like an eco car. No. It wasn't a hybrid. It wasn't an automatic. Nope. It wasn't a (laughs) hydromatic. 
Wasn't a systematic. Why is Grace lying then? 